The thing that really gets me about this is that once again, this was a peer reviewed document. It is still out there with known fallacies, which really for me as someone who regularly asks people for peer reviewed documentation to validate their claims on various issues, this really is a stumbling block. So many people involved in this dropped the ball. It was an across the board fumble and it's concerning, yeah. very concerning. Very. They're not under obligation to support anything. Right. It doesn't matter what the context of it is. There's no obligation for them to ally with anyone and their no. agenda. Keep calling in those storms, people. Keep making yourself look like narcissistic idiots. Whip up the wind of controversy and keep raining down your hate and call it love. Every time you do it, a little bit more of that shaky foundation just washes out from under you. Welcome to Unbound. A podcast for new atheists. And lifetime atheists. Ex-evangelicals truth seekers and free thinkers there is life after faith and life here is good it's time for a new perspective and a better conversation i'm spider and i'm shell and it's time to get unbound you know what shell you were right really these stories are all very rage inducing but that's nothing new around here is it Nope. It's kind of the fuel that keeps this thing going. <laughs> it's an unfortunate truth of the matter, but it is the truth. I'm Spider. And I'm Shell. And this week, we've got four more stories that do such a great job of highlighting the utter absurdities that these people place so much stock in. I can't help but shake my head and laugh. Sure, the righteous anger part of it is there, and it should be there. But I kind of look at these stories from a perspective that just begs viewing them for what they are. Irrelevant, absurd, and lacking in any semblance of intellectual maturity. When copyright goes wrong, Kirk, can we not? Taking shots at the disabled and the never-ending war on anyone not cishet and proud make up this cacophony of evangelical fuckery that I'm dubbing Christians behaving badly, fools in the rain edition. <laughs> Shall start us off. What have we got this week? Well, first off, usually when someone trademarks a phrase or logo, there's something different or unusual about it. Something that connects the phrase to an individual company that is very identifiable. That's how it's supposed to work. Yeah. But a Christian ministry calling itself and copywriting the phrase and job title, Worship Leader? Well, that's going to complicate things just a little bit. Just a little. The Christian ministry, also known as Worship Leader, had trademarked the phrase back in 2015, and considering how popular this term is, there may be many in their crosshairs for a cease and desist letter. I would imagine, yeah. Mm. They've already closed down a Facebook page that was entitled Rogue Worship Leader, which is basically a meme page using Star Wars imagery to comment on Christian worship leader stuff. You gotta be kidding. Star Wars? Yeah. A lot of them don't like Star Wars. Well, some of them do. It's actually pretty funny if you get the references. Scott Leonard, the man behind the page, posted on his Instagram that a ministry called Authentic Media, which oversees a brand called Worship Leader, got his Facebook page taken down because he was allegedly using their trademark. He explains, the company worship leader is essentially reporting me for violating trademark laws because I have the term worship leader in my name. How crazy is that? This is a common term. This is a job title. It's a term that has been used by churches 
thousands of churches all over the world. And according to the United States Patent and Trademark Office, it is indeed trademarked, but only in certain circumstances. It applies to electronic content released by the company, books and magazines they produce, the name of their online retail store, and their online library services. I'm amazed that they got that far with it. I know, so am I. It's crazy. What isn't trademarked is the two words, worship, leader. So churches can keep using the name as long as they make it clear that it's a job title and not a company title. And I doubt that most people have even heard of this company. I know I sure haven't. No, I haven't either. But I mean, there are companies out there with generic names like that all over the place. Yeah. And like you just said, you can copyright it in the context of your company so that you don't have 15 other companies opening up shop next to you and confusing who you are with who they are. That you can do. But you can't go after every Facebook page out there that has the phrase worship leader and start cease and desisting on them. I know. You can't do that. The company has the statement, we literally coined the phrase worship leader you on their so site. You did not. Yeah, which no the hell you didn't. And until recently, the company's website contained a whole page dedicated to their reasons for going after people who use this name. According to Hemet Mehta's article, this page was deleted very recently, but that's why Internet Archive is such an important resource. Go Internet Archive. They're good for a lot of shit. Oh, they are. The co-founder of Worship Leader decided to make a statement about how aggressive Rogue Worship Leader was in his refusal to meet with them, deciding only to go through his lawyers. Aw, poor you. Poor baby. Here's what she says. Worship leader means so much more to us than just a trademark. It's our calling. We welcome anyone who wants to align with us in ministry, but don't take our logo, our name, our identity, or our decades of built integrity and make a business that looks and acts like us. People can trust what is represented by our logo to be part of our integrity. Our Father in Heaven has so much more creativity in his little pinky. Why not lean in and allow your own talents and gifts to create your own unique name? Because there's no need to. This is a descriptor. It's a fucking adjective. Yes. You can't copyright an adjective and say this is mine, mine, all mine, not yours, mine. You can't do that. No. You just flat out can't. No. She continues, FYI. We have always tried to address anyone who is assumed to use our trademark with resolution. This particular individual we're dealing with has not been willing to sit down with us and his pastor. Instead, he chose to have an attorney. I'm sorry, but does the company Worship Leader make memes with Star Wars screenshots? How does this look and act like your company? How does the phrase Rogue Worship Leader play with yours? I know, right? Also, if they took down my Facebook page with no warning, not even a cease and desist letter, yeah, I'd communicate only through my lawyer as well. Yeah, at that point, it's much smarter to go that route than to try and deal with the person or entity. Because if they're going to cite legal reasons for doing what they do, well, give them a dose of the law. Yeah, that's it. In the meantime, Rogue Worship Leader is promoting a change.org petition calling for authentic media to cancel or amend their trademark. Sounds like a really good idea to me. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, 
Why don't they lean in and allow their own talents and gifts to create their own unique name? I know, right? If that's such a priority for them, then do something that actually stands out. Don't try and hijack an adjective. Yeah. You know, there have been cases like this for a long time now that are way outside of anything evangelical. And most of the time, it makes no sense. Like, just for the sake of example, when I was reading through this, the first thing I thought of was the happy birthday song. Oh, God, And yeah. how so many businesses have just stopped using this song. Just like you're at a restaurant and everyone comes over and starts singing to you. Every unique brand now has their own unique birthday song, yeah. which is smart for branding. But the reason for it stems from the fact that this song is copyrighted and they don't want any complications yeah. with the holder of copyright. That's how absurd this gets. And this is just another example of how absurd it can get. Yeah. Oh, here we go. We're about to get Kirk Cameron to people. Take cover. <laughs> and now in the war against public libraries, we have Kirk Cameron, one of the worst Christian whiners ever. That's putting it lightly. And he really likes to get people fired. This time, the victim of his harassment is Hendersonville, Tennessee Public Library Director, Alan Morales. It's the latest skirmish in Cameron's months-long effort to vilify public libraries. Back in December, Cameron falsely claimed libraries were censoring him even while welcoming drag queens and hosting LGBTQ-friendly events. The publishers of Cameron's new book wanted public libraries to sponsor events in which he would read his book to kids. In practice, that meant advertising the events on their websites and marketing the readings as they do other children's events. Many of them said no. Good for them. Public libraries are under no obligation to provide support or advertising to promote hateful people or hateful and prejudicial ideas. They're not under obligation to support anything. Right. It doesn't matter what the context of it is. There's no obligation for them to ally with anyone and their no. agenda. It's true. Of course, Cameron could rent a room if he followed library rules, which he did at the Hendersonville Public Library. Here's what you need to know about Kirk Cameron. He doesn't care about reading to just a few kids at a reading hour. He wants as many people as possible to see him fighting the good fight against the enemy. Sounds a little narcissistic to me. I'm just putting that out there yeah. just a little bit. It's not about the cause and what you hope to accomplish with what you're doing. It's about look at me and what I'm doing. And there's a huge disconnect there. That means if a library says they don't want to promote his events, he'll claim it's persecution. If they don't give him the exact space he wants, he'll say they're attacking his faith. If fewer people than expected show up, he'll just exaggerate the numbers. Oh, they're great at that. Yeah, they really are. The library's big mistake is that they didn't make a statement after the event. Instead, Cameron took full advantage to create his own narrative. Another thing they love to do. Yes, and they do it quickly. Yeah. You cannot hesitate in making what actually happened in your point of view known. Oh, yeah. You cannot hesitate. Here's what happened, according to Hemet Meta. Cameron was slated to speak at the library on Saturday, February 25th. When right-wing commentators began encouraging people to attend the event, the estimated attendance of 
thousands was much larger than the library could accommodate. So they initially moved the event to a local church called the Fireplace Fellowship. No big deal. The event would still continue. The church simply had a larger capacity. Within a day, however, the event was moved back to the library. Hmm. The reasons for the change are unclear. The Hendersonville Standard, a local newspaper, has since removed two stories from those days from their website. Wow, journalists engaging in censorship. Isn't that awesome? It's great. Whatever the reason, the library announced the change on Facebook and seemed fairly supportive of what Cameron was doing. They asked people to please be patient with the space limitations, but that they were excited to host the event. But of course, Cameron couldn't let the story stand like that. It doesn't fit his David versus Atheist Goliath narrative. So he took whatever he didn't like about the event and made it into a persecution narrative. And Fox News' Maureen Mackey dutifully reported it. A Brave Books spokesperson told Fox News Digital a head official at the library threatened to cancel the event. The official at the library tried to say that too many people would be coming and the library couldn't handle it. As soon as the library's board of directors and the community heard this, they were against this decision and the library staff backed down. Of course, there's no proof this happened. In fact, it seemed like the exact opposite happened. There were going to be thousands of people there for a room that could hold a max of 300. But still, they opened their doors to him. Which says a whole hell of a lot about their integrity. Yeah. In terms of what they knew they were up against here. And, you know, I'm sitting here thinking to myself, they actually do a stellar job of inflating the numbers and the public response to the things that they do. So I was really hoping to find out that like 30 people showed up, but that's not what happened. A lot of people actually did show up. Right. But the fact that they opened their doors to him anyway, and there had to be signs that things were going south with this before they reopened their doors. Because let's not forget, it was moved to another venue and that venue for undisclosed or at least immediately censored reasons decided that they didn't want to be involved. The library still opened the doors for him. Keep that in mind as we continue. The complete bullshit goes on. Just to throw more fuel on the fire, Riley Gaines, a swimmer best known for whining about trans athletes, attempted to film a promotional video for the event inside the library, then flipped out every time she heard noise. She claimed the staffers were doing it deliberately, though it's not clear Gaines or anyone else had reserved any space in the library to film that video. I'm in front of the camera and I'm filming my piece and all of a sudden the staff started blaring music, Gaines told us, And so I asked them, hey guys, we have 60 more seconds. I just need to film this one time and then you guys can play all the music you want. And so these older women, librarians, came out from behind the desk and they said, well, actually, we're not turning the music off. This is how we cope with the stress that you're putting us under. We don't have to turn the music off because it's for our mental health, she added. And there's no proof of the librarian's words either. Of course not. That sounds completely absurd. Yeah. Absolutely absurd. Please be quiet so I can film my propaganda is sort of a hot take for anyone. Yeah, true that. And it wouldn't surprise me to learn that these people were not thrilled with what was going on. 
But I really don't think that they said anything like that. No. The event went off on the planned date. A lot of people showed up, for which Cameron should be grateful the library accommodated. But yeah, no, he found other reasons to complain. Because of course he did. Mm -hmm. The staff also made it difficult for people who were there to attend the event. They wouldn't let the attendees enter through the main entrance, which she said they closed, to people who were there for the event. She said the staff then made attendees enter through a side door. Robertson said after the public library opened, the staff made everyone stand out in the cold and rain. She said when she left, there were hundreds of people and families lined up down the sidewalk, around the building, and down the street standing in the cold. Of their own volition. Yeah. Bell told us they estimate that 700 people showed up for two book readings and said he wasn't sure why the staff made the families stay out in the cold and rain until they all could filter into the conference room that held 300 people at a time. We weren't trying to be divisive. He, Morales, wanted to give us as little access to the library as possible. Just the room that we had rented. Just a room that accommodates 300 people, not 700. Right. Okay? And that's the operative, isn't it? 300 people at a time. Right. And from what I'm seeing here, they were cycling people in and out so that anyone who wanted to participate had the opportunity to participate. These people are being so fucking accommodating of this asshole. It's like what happens next is just even more infuriating. Yeah. So they only gave them access to the room they rented. Wow, such persecution. They only gave them access to what they were entitled to access? Shame on these people. Shock. The room only holds 300 people, but Kirk and his ilk should be the exception. Fuck fire marshal rules. Yeah, totally. Because Jesus. Because Jesus. And families were told to stay outside in the rain because the library wasn't open at the time. Yeah, they kind of left that part of it out of the narrative, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Also not mentioned, two of his guests were discovered to be Duck Dynasty's Missy Robertson and anti-trans activist Riley Gaines. The library director was suspicious that this event wasn't just a story hour reading, and even Kirk Cameron admits that a Hendersonville library director pushed back on our Freedom Island tour event, calling it more than a story hour, a movement, and he's right. This is a movement, he added, and we are fighting for the hearts and minds of our children, as well as our institutions like the library system. Oh, brother. Yeah. There is so much to this story. The library got bomb threats via email, and there were other threats coming to the library through other means. All the blame got heaped on the library director's shoulders, and then he got fired, as if he were to blame for Cameron's hateful event. More of that amazing Christian love mm. in action. And speaking of that undying Christian love, mm. oh, to be his hand extended in a fist toward disabled people. Yeah, it's great. Let's, uh, let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And in I don't care about your Bible news, Oklahoma lawmakers could have banned corporal punishment for students with disabilities, but one legislator brought that debate to a halt when he pointed out that corporal punishment was biblical for all students. And, of course, biblical equals relevant in 2023. Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. 
Oklahoma's current corporal punishment permission at least had a carve-out for the most cognitively disabled students to be prevented from having the corporal punishment. Mm -hmm. House Bill 1028, sponsored by Republican State Representative John Talley, was designed to broaden that exemption so it applied to all students with disabilities. GOP State Representative Anthony Moore signed on as a co-sponsor of the bill, specifically because he thought this would be an easy vote. There's going to be nobody who's for corporal punishment on students with disabilities, he said. He must have forgotten that he's surrounded by other Republicans from Oklahoma. One representative argued that since corporal punishment for children is in the Bible, that all children must be subject to it and that the option must be open to teachers. Okay, so if some asshole rapes your daughter, how much money would it take for you to consider it reparations and pay for the ensuing wedding? Mm. We, we want to talk about what's in the Bible and yeah. that it's all relevant? Okay, answer that question, asshole. Oh, who knows? Representative Jim Olson stated, you know, several scriptures could be read here. Let me just read one. Proverbs 29, the rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringest his mother to shame. And later, when asked about the American Academy of Pediatrics recommendation against corporal punishment, he said, God's counsel is higher than the American Academy of Pediatrics. God's word is higher than all the so-called experts. Oh, God, the arrogance is so fucking thick. Yeah. And here's another tack. Representative Randy Randleman, oh my God, with the alliteration. I can't pronounce that city <laughs> name, so screw it. He's a Republican. I'm, I'm calling it Eufaula. Eufaula. Okay. Made a different argument from Olson's against HB 1028. A child psychologist who often infuses religion into his medical opinions on the House floor Randleman this time said spanking is almost always inappropriate, but is sometimes called for. And he said teachers need the threat of corporal punishment to maintain classroom order. Not if you're a teacher worth your salt, you don't. Yeah. You can't touch me. I hear that over and over. I don't want to hear that in school, said Randleman. Well, would you rather hear that or, Mr. Randleman, you are hereby served? Yeah. Because... That's what would happen if you or any member of your administration ever put a hand on my kid. That's what would happen to you, sir. So would you prefer that over your idiotic supposition here that it's usually not right, but we need to have the looming threat to maintain order? If that's the case, you really are a shitty teacher slash administrator slash human being, okay? Yeah. I think this story can be summed up with a tweet from Democratic State Representative Forrest Bennett. Good morning from the Oklahoma House Chamber, where a pastor and a psychiatrist, who are also legislators, are fighting against a bill that would ban corporal punishment for students with special needs. It's 2023 outside. It's 1880 in here. Oh, great tweet. Yeah. And great sentiment. That really does put a nice cap on it, doesn't it? Yes, it really does. And here's more of that accurate reporting that we love so much around here. And in this particular instance, it's done a lot of damage, not just because of the people who created this report, but the idiots that didn't vet it properly. 
Oh, yeah. my goodness. You want to talk about a snowball effect? Mm. Let's talk about this. Yeah. In 2001, the journal Archives of Sexual Behavior published an article supposedly linking homosexuality and childhood molestation. It seemed to play into all the anti-LGBT talking points and was used for years as evidence for their opinion that being homosexual is a choice and directly stems from childhood trauma. Of course, any gay person will tell you these things aren't true. Nevertheless, the article seems to conclude that there is something going on. In research with 942 non-clinical adult participants, Gay men and lesbian women reported a significantly higher rate of childhood molestation than did heterosexual men and women. 46% of the homosexual men, in contrast to 7% of the heterosexual men, reported homosexual molestation. 22% of lesbian women, in contrast to 1% of heterosexual women, reported homosexual molestation. As Hammett Meta mentions, it fed into the idea that gay men are predators, eager to groom children who will eventually turn gay. Oh, brother. The Christian hate group Family Research Council even published a piece in 2007, spreading anti-LGBTQ information that cited the article in its defense. Google Scholar says the original article has been cited 182 times. Jesus. You can tell that this article has done a lot of damage to the LGBTQ plus community. Very recently, the journal has added an editorial expression of concern to the top of the article. The concern involves some of the data in the original article, which seems to show the exact opposite from what the article concludes. As Hemet Mehta explains further, it says that 68% of the gay men who took part in the survey were openly gay before getting molested. 62% of lesbians were similarly out before they were victims of abuse. In other words, most of the participants said that being victims of molestation did not have any effect on their sexual orientation. They were gay before and they were gay after. So they just twisted the data to make it say something that agrees with their position. And as we're going to find out in a couple of minutes, no one seemed to fucking notice at the time. And this is supposed to be a peer-reviewed document. Keep that in mind, people. And yet, this is what the authors wrote in their conclusion. 68% of the present homosexual male participants and 38% of the present homosexual female participants, 68 and 36% respectively, if including just the homosexual fair participants, did not identify as homosexual until after the molestation. This suggests that if molestation resulted in homosexuality, this phenomenon occurs in a greater proportion of male homosexuals. That conclusion was precisely the opposite of what the table showed. Somehow, the peer reviewers never caught that, nor did the editors. There are several other places where the math just doesn't add up. The editorial expression of concern concludes, readers are urged to take caution when interpreting the content and conclusions of this article. The editor has been unable to find current email addresses for any of the authors in order to clarify and correct the article. It puzzles me why the journal just doesn't take down the article altogether since it is effectively worthless because its conclusions don't even match its own data. 
Even the publication admits that now. No one should cite it. Anyone who does, much like its authors, didn't do their research. You know what? I don't even think it's a matter of the authors didn't do their research. They did their research and twisted it into something that wasn't there. And the thing that really gets me about this is that, once again, this was a peer-reviewed document. It is still out there with known fallacies, which really, for me, as someone who regularly asks people for peer-reviewed documentation to validate their claims on various issues, for me, this really is a stumbling block because it just goes to show that even something that's peer-reviewed can have obvious errors and flaws. And in scientific terms, this is something that we do see often, but it's not intentional. And it's not the result of professional or intellectual neglect. It isn't. It's a matter of science learns more over time, so this messaging changes over time. In this instance, it was just a matter of lazy redaction. And that's the thing that really gets me about that. So many people involved in this dropped the ball. It was an across-the-board fumble, and it's concerning. Yeah. Very concerning. And just as we wind things down here, i got a couple of thoughts that I want to end things off with. For starters, I'm getting very sick and tired of this whole notion that everything belongs to these people, that they have the right to say and do whatever they want and the rest of the world has to listen, and that every word that comes out of their mouth is by definition true and right, with or without proof, and with or without adulterated and altered data. To all of these skewed notions and opinions, all I can say is, on point one, you are wrong. On point two, you are wrong. And on point three, in this instance, you got lucky. And to those who were tasked with reviewing the information in that article, shame on you. You are complicit with the damage it's done. And forgive me for pulling out one of my favorite curses from my Wicca days, but... May the true horror of your actions be revealed to you. This is one of those instances where I wish things like karma were real, but alas. You can't just lay claims to things like words and phrases and decide that they belong to you. Evangelicals aren't the only ones who have tried this, but the self-justification and utter cluelessness of something like laying claim to the phrase worship leader is an example of the unfathomable hubris that is at the heart of everything these people say and do to bend society to their idiotic will. But I suppose I shouldn't be surprised. Unfathomable hubris is the sinking sand of a foundation that this entire house is built on, and the house is slowly but surely sinking. Keep calling in those storms, people. Keep making yourself look like narcissistic idiots. Whip up the wind of controversy and keep raining down your hate and call it love. Every time you do it, a little bit more of that shaky foundation just washes out from under you. Keep whining like petulant children whenever you fail to get your way or when you attempt to overextend your rights and privileges. Keep perpetuating this entitlement mentality that puts a bad taste in the mouths of anyone who extends you the first privilege in any situation. Keep throwing your tantrums and keep broadcasting that childlike faith of yours at 100,000 watts because you know what? The signal is being received. And please, maintain poster children like Kurt Cameron, a 52-year-old man who can't seem to stop channeling his inner toddler and throwing tantrums. 
No one is persecuting you for opening their doors to you, and no one is being unfair because they won't afford you more than that to which you are entitled. Quit with the Mike Seaver routine, Kirk. It wasn't a good look then. It's far less of one now. Oh, and keep preaching your gospel of violence and hate. Disregard Jesus's words about whatsoever you do to the least of these, my brethren, you do unto me. It reveals all we need to know about the nature of your gospel and your character as individuals. I'm not saying that people with disabilities are the least in our society, but they get the least respect. In many cases, they get the least support and they get treated like they are less than their physically and mentally typical peers quite a bit, don't they? It's how you handle the weakest, most dependent, and most vulnerable around you that really speaks volumes about this vile faith that you claim to possess. Keep doing all these things. Why? Because these caricatures of your faith and message will only wash away more of that sand over time. And when the rest of the world finally gets the opportunity to watch your whole house crumble, and they will, probably not in my lifetime, but they will, it will move our country and our world into a place where the term polite society actually means something and where all of us get to finally, peacefully live our lives unbound. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Unbound. Show topics are chosen based on their timeliness, relevance, and social impact. Have suggestions for future topics? Email us at unbound.podcast.network at gmail.com with all your comments and feedback. Please don't forget to like, share, and throw a few five-star ratings our way and follow us on all major social platforms. And don't forget to hit subscribe if you haven't already. Links to our social pages as well as a full list of cited sources in today's episode are listed in the show notes available at our website, getunbound.org. That's get-unbound.org. If you value this resource and would like to see it continue, please consider supporting us on Patreon at the link in the show description. And be sure to check for new updates every Sunday when we'll come together again and take one more step toward getting and staying unbound. Unbound.